It's the slightly crunchy mom cast. Slightly crunchy mom cast. Where our discussions are based in evidence. And we try to maintain our relevance. But two drinks in, and we try not to lose our. It's the slightly crunchy mom cast. Slightly crunchy mom cast. The slightly crunchy mom cast. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Slightly Crunchy Mom Cast. This is a podcast with research based parenting information from a real world perspective of two moms just trying not to lose our shit. Hey, you like our podcast? Let us know. Take a moment and leave us a review on iTunes. It's going to help us out and help others find us too. Now let's get to it. Today's episode 36 and we're talking about helicopter parenting. <laughs> uh, I'm Brittany. I'm a licensed parent and family therapist and a licensed clinical addiction specialist. I'm Whitney. And you want to know how the boating trip went? Oh yes, the boating trip. It actually wasn't that bad. I find that if I keep my back to like all the boats, out of sight, out of mind. The entire time, I sat facing the river. So that seems awkward, but as long as I was doing that, Alec kept my cool the whole time. Yeah. So you yeah. didn't have to exit the boat? No, I exited the boat many a time. At one point when I was, like, <laughs> finally done, they were, like, they decided they were going to take the inner tube and, like, go one more circle, but we were right by the boat dock, and I kid you not, I was like, I'm out, and I ran and dove off the boat while it's still going, like, whatever it was going. Did you have fun, though? I, I, I it's like, it's me on a boat. Well, so it's like, Rick's obligatory <laughs> annual birthday boat trip. It's, and it's just, it's a boat trip. I also have a book recommendation, another book recommendation. So I just read, there's three books in the series. It's called The Miles High Club by T.L. Swan. Mile there's, High Club, hey. Uh, Miles. 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 Oh. Okay. So we have The Stopover, The Takeover, and The Casanova. There's a fourth one coming out. It's fantastic. I highly recommend these. Start with The Stopover, T.L. Swan, and Miles High Club was the bomb. The bomb. So read that one next. You read that other one, didn't you? I've just read the you one. Recommended? At, I've just read the one at this point. Yeah, hook, line, oh, and sinker. And you liked it? Yeah, I need to. I have a problem with like a really. So I'll. I'll. It takes me a long time to crack a book. When I crack it, wow. I'll knock it out in like two, three days. But then it's it's like a lot to to get me to start another one. You uh, know, and that's that's the lull that I'm in at present. Um, but yeah. Well, fun fact, I'm joining a neighborhood co-ed softball team, so this should be entertaining. Oh, my God. Do you play softball? I played softball in high school. Mm-hmm. Clean up batter, oh, no. no big deal. Just hitting home runs. Don't mind me. Were big number five. <laughs> but, uh, well, I went to, like, a small private school, so no. Uh, <laughs> I was a big a fish in a small pond, Whitney. <laughs> Is it a neighborhood softball? Like, tell me more about this. It's softball. like it's like our town parks and rec department. It's just for fun. And someone on the Vermilion Facebook page was just like, "Hey, uh, does anyone want to do a softball team?" And a lot of people were like, "Yeah, let's do it." So that's yeah. So is anyway, it women and men? Yeah, it's co-ed. No, it's both. It's co-ed. Yeah. Oh my god, you guys are so. And Michael so was really excited that I was doing it. He was like pushing me to do it, and and he's like, "Yeah, you should totally do it. We'll come and watch you. We'll cheer for you." Because Michael, your team name? pitches be crazy. 
pitches he cries yeah 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 and if you've ever seen michael throw a, a softball or a baseball he throws like a total girl so he won't be playing he'll be he'll be supporting me emotionally Maybe he could bring his guitar and like. Oh yeah, yeah. Something. He could sing. He could Take me song. out to the ball game. <laughs> he should write a song and serenade the team before you guys go out there. That would be so embarrassing, and that I will not <laughs> be doing that. Oh my god! I would not be doing it. Oh, All so right. what you drinking, Whitney? I am drinking a Primal Brewery Lawn Boy. Yeah. Good. Yeah. What well, you got? I'm having an Eleven Lakes Southern Hospitality Hazy IPA. Both of these drinks we're having are local here in our area. So, cheers. Cheers. All right. All right. Started. So, what's a helicopter parent, Whitney? We hear it. What is so, it? So, a helicopter parent, and I'll like interchange this, and sometimes they like hover parenting, but we're we're basically talking about the same thing where it's, you're involved in a child's life in a way that's oftentimes over-controlling, over-protective, and tries to, where the parent's kind of taking responsibility for everything that's happening. Um, another term is like over-parenting. So some examples of this, and I got them from different ages, is in the toddler age, you're going to always be following your kid around. You're going to be playing with them or directing their behaviors, you allow them no time on their own. So there's no time where they're not being watched. Um, as you move up to like elementary, you are gonna change their teachers if you don't like their teachers, you're managing conflicts with their friends, you're really stepping in, you're like, hey, that was rude to say that to my kid, those kind of things. When you hit into high school, you're gonna call the professor about their <laughs> poor grades, you're arranging a class schedule for them, You you decide their eating habits, you also, when they're gonna exercise. So basically all in all, the definition of a helicopter parent is doing things for a kid that they can do for themselves. That sounds exhausting. It is exhausting, but I also think it doesn't just like, I think it doesn't just happen. I, no, I do think it just happens. You and I were talking recently and it came out that Graham does not know how to tie his shoes. And you had a judgmental comment. <laughs> Did I? Like, Graham I... doesn't know how to tie his shoes. <laughs> I don't even remember this. Yeah, you're like looking and you're like, oh, he needs to know how to tie his shoes. And I'm like, well, they're all slip on and they're whatever. And so then I was thinking to myself, I'm like, wait a second when I'm reading this. I was like, does Graham actually need to know how to tie his shoes? I'm like, Hmm. I still don't. I still have not taught him how to tie his shoes. I do but think it's a life that? skill. I would say it's a life skill. I mean, to me, to me, I don't think he's going to go to high school without knowing how to tie his shoes. Or maybe he will. Who knows? <laughs> oh, that would not be good. <laughs> like at some point, the boy needs to learn how to tie his shoes. I don't know. Yes. I mean, what does that have to do with helicopter parenting, Whitney? That's just teaching a well, skill. Nothing. It was kind of when I was thinking about these things that I do for my children that they could do for themselves. Oh. Right. So that is kind of the definition of helicopter parenting. Now. My kid not knowing how to tie his shoes, he doesn't have any shoes that have ties on them, which would prompt, I'm not having to tie his shoes for him. Yeah. But it maybe it's brushing their teeth and they're seven or eight because you don't think oh. that they can yep. brush their teeth. And then it moves on up to like, mm -hmm. maybe when they're in school, someone is mean to them and you just happen to know that kids. We talked about it with like, with parents that are kind of fixing their conflicts and those kind of things, but you step in. Maybe they're not doing their homework. And so they're yeah. in middle school. And so you're constantly writing them to be like, you need to do your homework, do your homework, do your homework, you need to do your homework. And then you turn around and you're like, fine, I'll just do it for you. Or better yet, 
you reward them when they finally do it after you ask them 50 times and you take them out for ice cream. And it's like, well, wait, wait, wait a second. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think that's kind of what I was thinking of when I was thinking about tying the shoes where I was like, what things do I do for my kid that he probably could do for himself? Yeah. So it's funny that you put it like that. Cause I had the thought the other day, like Elise is seven and a half. Honestly, it's time for her to learn to start like making her own food. Like, Making her own mm-hmm. bowl of cereal, making her own sandwich, heating up something in the microwave, that sort of thing. Um, because you make a good point. What do I do for my kid that they could do for themselves? And that is always like a progression, right? Is like because when they're so little, they you have to do everything for them. And then it from then on, when they start getting bigger, it has to become like a fade out. Um, and, and it requires a lot of patience. Like, you know, when kids are first learning to do something simple, like put on their pajamas, like you could put on their pajamas in two seconds. They're going to take 20 minutes maybe. Um, And, but what have you taught them by like never letting them have any independence? And I like what you said that it's really about responsibility. Like we've talked about that before about teaching your kids to take responsibility for their actions. Um, like, you know, if they get in trouble at school, not immediately going and berating the teacher, but, you know, there's a balance in, like, your kid understanding that, you know, you have their back, but at the same time, there's expectations they have to meet. Because when we're thinking through, like, helicopter parenting, like, I want to, for me, it's important to draw a delineation, um, and I think you did it with that statement of, like, responsibility and um, not doing for your kids what they could do for themselves. And that goes for like things like shoe tying, sure, but like also like emotional, social type of situations, like letting kids work out their own disagree- disagreements, their own little scuffs. But to me, what helicopter parenting is not is like close supervision of things that you should really be paying attention to as a parent. So, like the opposite of lazy parenting, what I'm thinking about specifically is like media. So, so they call this, yeah, and they call this, like, over-parenting. Yes. So it's not, it's in excess to, like, it's in excess, like, we're talking about shoe tying and this stuff, so clearly that's not stuff that's, like, in excess to parenting. And there are things that I was thinking of, of, like, in what ways do I, have I not given my kids a skill that they need, right? So, like, in those sense, but this is, like, helicopter parenting is very much a definition of over-parenting. So you're going too far maybe it starts when they're a toddler you control everything and then yeah. it continues to move forward to high school and you'll even find it in college yeah so. well and I think that's that's the other thing right is like the other aspect is the control of the parent but when I when I say media what I mean is and and if you don't know like the term helicopter parent it, it's like a metaphor of like a helicopter circling like a perimeter you know and yeah, so like that's you circling your kid yeah, and it, the term came out in the '60s, and what it was talking about is these these high schoolers that would that would relate their parents to like helicopters. They were always just hovering, and so yeah. that's actually how the term came about. Yeah, yeah. So, so for me though, you know, I will always be on top of my kids for what they're consuming, what media they're consuming. Um, I plan to push out my kids getting cell phones for a very long time. Um, I plan to push out social media accounts for as long as I can as well. And you you better believe I will have those logins and I will have those passwords and I will be searching those accounts. Um, and to me, if that's helicoptering, that's fine. But that's what I'll be doing until 
um, you know, my kids can learn the dangers and protective factors and ulterior motives that others might have. But not only that, I think what we're seeing a lot in my field in the mental health arena is, you know, the, the, the emotional damage that, um, you know, constant access and stream of like media and social interactions and negativity can have on, on young minds that uh, are not developed. I mean, the prefrontal cortex is the last to develop and that's mid twenties and that's reasoning and decision-making. And, you know, you flood your brain with, with negativity and bad ideas and, Man, that's a recipe for a disaster. So that's something that I will be surveilling quite closely for a long time. Well, and you know, when I, the next thing we were going to talk about is why do we hover? One of the things that people hover, the one of the reasons that they hover is due to anxiety and fear of consequences. Yeah. Yeah, but to your point about teaching your kids responsibility, we're never going to be able to control um, – the world around us necessarily, you know, I can't, I can't control Elise's friends. I can't control, you know, the things that she might be con exposed to all the time. But what I can do is I can teach her good judgment and I've got to be the bridge between when she, her brain develops enough where she can have that judgment and helping her to, um, you know, have discretion and understand kind of, you know, differences and motives and the purpose of things and how to protect herself. And so, my involvement in that, uh, from that perspective, would be I'm coming alongside of her, and then my son too when he gets there. But to teach her how to use these things and how to use them uh, helpfully, and how to have boundaries about them as well, until she can um, kind of attain those skills for herself. Yeah, and I think that when we talk about the internet and all those kind of things, very different from um, you know when we're talking about also like the hovering on the day-to-day -day as well like there's managing of the internet and social media and then there's like day-to-day -day hovering that occurs as well and so they can be separate from each other you can very much have a tight ring in one area but maybe not so much in the other areas so when we were talking about like consequences of like why do we even do it one of them was like fear of consequences. Like, so when we were talking about social media, a fear would be that they would start talking to someone online that is not, you know, says they're 13, but they're actually 26. Some within schools, you know, maybe we're afraid that they're going to make a bad grade or they're going to be rejected from a sports team, like, or they're going to botch their interview. And so it's in particular that they're going to feel something that, we don't want them to feel. So the child may feel unhappiness, they struggle, at ex they're not excelling, they feel like failures, and we as a parent feel afraid to let them do that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, anxiety, so we feel our, ourselves, we feel very anxious about a certain situation. Um, so like my child is climbing a tree and I'm like, oh my God, what if that tree branch breaks? And then they fall down like three more things branches and they hit the bottom and they hit the bottom on their head and it snaps their neck and then my child is now dead because they were climbing a tree right so anxiety and like where we have these intrusive thoughts right where Brittany's talked about this where she will be walking down the stairs and she's like what if I drop my kid and they fall four steps you know those kind of things so overcompensation and also like keeping up I call it keeping up with the Joneses where like you want to impress and so because you want to impress you're almost over-parenting your child. 
Like, you're wanting my kid to be, like, make the best grades. I mean, think about that scandal. Remember that scandal that went down with the college where they were oh, paying yeah. all the people? Yeah, the mom from I Full mean, House was, went to, right? I think she went like, to jail or something for that. Yeah. To go to some, like, I don't know, it was, like, USC or something. Like, talk about the definition of, like, really wanting your child to, like, look better than they actually were. Like, seriously? You paid $250,000 to get your kid on a rowing scholarship? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's not looking so good right there. Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, something I've learned, like in my own experiences, is you know when um, kids hit a certain age, it's it's way better to. And we've talked a little bit about this before, but it's way better to like if they're just having normal kid scuffles, just let them work that out. Um, instead of getting involved in every little thing. Because, A, getting involved in every little thing is a lot of work, and you can never, like, hang out and enjoy yourself. But but also, like, you're not they, – they've got to learn how to navigate that stuff, right? And they, honestly, with their little peer-to-peer relationship, they're going to do a better job at that than we will if they have enough practice at it. And when they go off to school and eventually, you know, into adulthood, like, they've got to have those skills. And so – that's that's what I've learned too is like just just leave them alone. Lisa has this one little friend, especially that you know they'll get in tiffs. They're they're really great friends. They'll get in tiffs, and I have found like if I just leave them alone, um, you know, and the other parents just leave them alone, like they'll figure it out. It's fine. Oh yeah, and I think also when you start solving their problems, so like you know, like let's talk about the effects of hovering parenting and helicopter parenting. So I think it all starts with good intentions, like all of it. Like when you break up a scuffle and you try and step in and you're like, hey, did you speak kindly to them? Like, are you sharing? Like this starts with good intentions. You're trying to teach them that this is not the way to handle things. And, you know, I think that like good, like engaged parents is important because it helps your children feel loved, accepted, like have better self-confidence and those kind of things. But it's, when you step in and always solve every problem, you fail to teach the kid how to handle failures and challenges. And so when they're young and they're fighting over a teddy bear is a great time to learn it because if they don't learn it over the teddy bear, will they learn it when they're at work and someone genuinely says something rude and then the person doesn't know how to handle that? Like, yeah, the child who's been, you know, parented that well doesn't know how to handle that situation. So they either break down and cry, they freak out, they're screaming and yelling, they are tattling. The point where the child addressed the person was like, okay, so that was totally inappropriate and not, you know, what you should be saying to me. You know, like they, so it's easier to learn it over a teddy bear because later in life, our problems get bigger, they don't get smaller. Yeah. Well, and you, you know, know, I get, I get the intention people want to step in because at least for me, I don't want my, I don't want my kid to feel like, well, my mom didn't, you know, stand up for me. Like I wanted to tell her that, you know, this kid was doing this to me. And so that's, that's the rub for me is like, I want my kid to know that I'm a safe place, that I'm her advocate. I'm here for her, you know? And so it's constantly like parenting is hard. Like it's constantly a, a judgment call and it's like a, a, a balance and a battle of like, okay, what do I do in this different scenario? And I also think sometimes the intention is we want to be everything for our kids. 
So like, you know, for example, um, it's the summer, right? And I have heard I'm bored so many times. And here's the thing. It is not my responsibility as a parent to entertain my child. I rebuke that idea. And I know that there's some parents out there that are like, we're going to set up PlayStations today and you're going to do this station and have this game and you're going to do this craft and then we're going to do... And like, I... That those parents are great, right? That level of energy and presence, fantastic. That is not me. I also think that there is power in boredom. There is a skill to be learned there. Like, Elise will come to me and tell me she's bored. She, in 10 minutes, she will be just knee-deep in imaginative play by herself. And that yeah. is, a, a child's play is their work. That is when they're learning. That is when they're processing through easy things, difficult things. Like, they need to do that. And unfortunately, like, you know, if we set everything up for them and they don't ever have to kind of struggle through that boredom, right, they're not going to get there necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, when you look at things, too, like the the downsides to, to doing everything for your child and making life incredibly easy – What they found is they have a study and it has about 200, it was about 300 um, high schoolers and college age. And they found that children, and these are surveys, so we talked about the downside of surveys, but children who would describe their parents as helicopter parents had a significant increase in depression, anxiety, and would report less satisfaction in life. Um, They also had a lower self-confidence. So a lot of times they'll say like, I can't do this on my own. Like I I can't do it without someone helping me or just feel at a loss. Um, They also have undeveloped coping skills. And so they don't, it was kind of the example I was using where a coworker at work says something incredibly rude to you and you are used to someone stepping in and solving that conflict for you. And here you are, nobody heard it. You're an adult and you need to do it yourself. Or if you're in a relationship And so you're trying to, like, navigate those kind of things. Mm -hmm. There's also, they find that they're more likely to be, have a sense of entitlement or, i.e., spoiled. So it's kind of what you're saying where if your, you know, your child comes to you, I hear I'm bored some, not as much, mainly because as soon as my child tells me they're bored, I'm like, great, let's do the laundry because I need to get the laundry done. And so then we go do the laundry and that takes care of that problem for me. But you know, there is, if you're constantly fixing everything and you're constantly doing all these things for your child to make sure that their world has no pain and suffering in it, it really makes them, it can make them feel very self-centered. Like the world revolves around them. And then unfortunately, as they grow to be adults, there's going to be things in their life that us as parents cannot fix. Mm -hmm. I.e., if one of us dies, like there is, you know, things that happen in a child's life that we or even when they're adult children that our parents genuinely cannot fix yeah or even just smaller things not even like something like the death of a parent but even smaller things that can happen now like you know if our kids go to school and they've got a friend that hurts their feelings I mean that sometimes it's just about supporting your child through that emotion you know and and letting them know that you're there for them but you don't necessarily have the solution to, to fix it. And in those times, you know, a good learning moment is, you know, coping skills. Like, what can you do to make sure that you're, like, managing your emotions in a healthy way? 
and you're doing things for yourself to, you know, make yourself feel better that is, that's healthy. And, you know, you mentioned like kids that had quote unquote helicopter parents, they, they lacked confidence. Well, we've talked before about, um, you know, kind of you lose your sense of ability to feel like you have any control over anything. And so, you know, if you're always kind of waiting for others around you to create a, um, a scenario for you, whatever that looks like to help you feel better, to do things for you, you lose the autonomy of yourself to say, Hey, I can, I can get up. I can pull myself up from my bootstraps, so to speak. And I can turn this situation around versus, you know, these things are happening to me and there's really nothing that I can do to, to manage this. And sometimes also when you step in, what we've said this before and I like this, what you're feeling and what you're observing that interaction to be may not be theirs. So last, the last time we did a podcast, I, after we got done, I took a leave and we went to the community pool with the boys so that Brittany could do some stuff. And while we were there, there was this girl and Graham had been hanging out with these girls and they were playing and Elise was around too. And one of the girls, um, I'm standing right there. So I hear it says some really, really rude things to Graham. Like, we don't like you go away. I don't even want to play with you. You just need to leave us alone. We don't even like you. And does that it took everything in me to not grab that girl out of the pool and be like don't you dare speak to my son it took because I am I am assertive not really like aggressive well I mean sure I mean I'm a woman so I'm sure sometimes I come across but I'm assertive as I'll get out I'm not argumentative I'm I don't know maybe I'm that too but like I'm definitely assertive (laughs) and so it's really hard for me in that situation to not be like excuse me hey 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 that is really really rude but there was a little girl that was sitting with them and I think she had also said something rude to Elise because Elise kind of like walked away and this little girl who was a little bit older turns to Graham and goes or turns to Elise and goes, I'm sorry she said that. That was really mean. Mm-hmm. And then she says it to Graham, like, did your feelings get hurt? Like, because Graham stopped playing. And he was like, you know, doing his own thing. And she was like, are your feelings hurt? Like, I'm really sorry. So I walk up to tell them, hey, we're leaving in a few minutes. And the little girl turns to me and says, I'm really sorry that they're, like, we're mean. I said, why are you apologizing? I said, don't apologize for other people's because behavior. Because she has empathy. Because she had empathy. Uh-huh. Now, the other little girl was gone away. And so, like, I did it because it did take everything in me to not step in there. But afterwards, I asked Graham, I said, Graham, did you have a good time at the pool? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, did you like playing with those kids? He was like, yeah, that one little girl loved to be slashed. Mentioned nothing of the rude thing the girl said. <laughs> Mentioned nothing of it. And when I asked Elise about it as well, she was like, mm, what? Like, neither one of them even took a moment's notice to register what this girl who was very rude said to them. And so like, if I had stopped in, mm-hmm. stepped in, I really would have created something that wasn't there than it yep. was because I, I read it something that neither one of those kids even seemed to care. About. You know what? That's so true. And that's, that's probably why kids can solve a lot of their problems better than we can. Because as adults, we have all these experiences and baggage of our own, right? Like, kids don't have that. It's just, like, you know, kids amaze me, too, because literally you'll roll up to somewhere, right? Some kind of event. Maybe you don't know anyone. A child will find another child, and they will literally just be like, hey, do you want to play? Sure, let's go play. They will play for 45 minutes. Like, you get back in the car, you're like, Elise, what was that little girl's name you were playing with? Oh, I don't know. Did you have fun? Yeah, Yeah, great time. 
you know, sweating, having a great time, and it's like I don't even know her I name. Mean, it's just like never Meyer see her again. Yeah, sometimes Meyer plays with these kids, and like I'm like that kid is weird. And then at the end, I'm like, hey, what'd you think? He was like, oh my god, he was so much fun. Like they don't even register these things. I'm like, okay well there we are yeah yeah so your experiences are not theirs and so yeah it's better sometimes to have a hands-off approach and and I get the rub like because in that in that situation I mean I would justify like if you had stepped in that other little kid I'm a big proponent of there's a lesson to be learned there too and there's a value in in another adult that's not your parent correcting you honestly and I know that that can be controversial too but I mean Eh, they, you should adults are adults and if they're trusted adults and that sort of thing and um but yeah that's that's an interesting scenario there so as we're finishing up here are you a hover parent a helicopter parent yeah um i mean i'd like to say like overall no but probably sometimes i can be yeah you think I am? Um, no. Yeah, I took a quiz. Oh, a quiz. <laughs> On marriage.com. I took this oh, quiz. Oh, that's a where great source. Like, yeah, well, I mean, it's a quiz on are you a helicopter parent? <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. I actually think if you were to take the quiz, you would come out on the middle road. Like, yeah. here's one of the questions. Like, if your child is a short walking distance from their house, your house, would you drive them there? Are you going to let them walk but watch them the entire way? Or are you going to let them walk and then ask them to check in when they get there? Well, that depends on the age now. Your age. Elisa's age. I would watch her. I would watch her. If she wanted to walk, I'd, I'd watch her walk. Yeah, I'd just let them walk. Yeah. Uh, if they're going to go to a birthday party and it's a drop-off birthday party for a friend, are you going to drive them there and stay there? Or are you going to drive there and stay for a little bit to make sure they're okay or drop them off and tell them to call you if they need anything? Okay, so here's a funny story about that. I would, I'm would i going to hit middle ground for all these because I always do that. I, go, I ask Elise, do you feel comfortable with me leaving? And Elise is like very much, yes, get out of here. But she wants me to survey the scene first. She's like, well, just stay for a minute and then you can go. Okay, well, recently... Um, and this was, Rhett was, like, really small, so I think I was just really desperate for, like, a break, but we went to, like, this trampoline park birthday party, and it was slammed. It was slammed, and I'm like, okay, Elise, I'm gonna go. I'll see you in a couple hours. She was like, okay, and then I realized, like, when I got back, no other parent had left. I mean, the, the place, to be honest, like, you could, if you wanted to snatch a child, that's where you would have gone that day. And then <laughs> as I was, yes, when I was coming back, I noticed a sign that was like, all parents must stay with their children. I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> so I have my moments, Whitney. I mean, you know, I, I think my concern too is like in my field, I've seen a lot of things. I know a lot of information that maybe not everyone knows. And so um, I, my ear is to the ground probably a little more than it should be. Um you know, when you talk about like leaving your kids unattended and that sort of thing. And, and so that, so I'm probably like middle of the road. I think this one. All right. Here's the last one. Do you get overly cautious at risky activities that your child engages in? So yes, I always keep an eye on them and let them know if they're going too far, riding their bike too fast. Sometimes I get nervous, but I try to let them have their freedom or no, I want them to be safe, but I also want them to be a kid. Okay, well, we're talking about the person, me, 
who literally can't go in a Ferris wheel with my child. <laughs> now, say, you're you're now let me tell you, what I do is I let them go, and I have learned I just can't be around for it. So, okay, so I love to encourage Elise to do different things, to have her fun, to get dirty, to have experiences. But there's, but see, I know my, how my own anxiety is. And so, like, for example, they want to go to, Elise has been asked to go to Carowinds. Well, that's going to be a daddy and daughter day because no one's going to have fun with me yelling <laughs> to make sure that the harness on the roller coaster is strapped. And have you seen Final Destination? And do we know, even know when and who serviced <laughs> this roller coaster? And do we know how many years Carowinds has been in business and how many hands over it has turned and with business operations and see I'm gonna stay home and stay home <laughs> so that's where I am so anyways this episode has probably been pretty confusing because uh who knows you know are you a helicopter parent is there value eh, I don't know it's just kind of like parenting you know it's like depends and do I mean, your best that's the moral of our thing do your we best know, we know better but we might <laughs> do be we there. do better I don't uh, well thanks for listening to today's episode if you'd like to give us feedback provide topic suggestions or tell us your own funny stories reach out to us at slightlycrunchymomcast at gmail.com you can also follow us on Instagram we post weekly reminders of episodes and funny stuff just to make you chuckle at slightlycrunchymomcast or even better you can buy us a beer you know we like to drink donate via buymeacoffee.com slash slightlycrunchy until next time bye <laughs>